Ministry Mentorship, Episode 18. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministries. First off, let me tell you about a new ministry that I'm very excited about. We're launching our live Bible study on Tuesday, September 17th at 7 p.m. Central Time and we want you to join us. This Bible study is geared for the 18 to 30-year-old young man or woman that feels a desire to be involved in ministry. And we're going to be talking about the call of God and also sharing from the scriptures and, and our own personal experiences. And joining me for this is Pastor Micah Wisdom from Wagner, Oklahoma, and Angela Harwood from Pawpaw, Michigan. And I know it's just going to be a great blessing to you. You can find out more by going to the Bible study page on ministrymentorship.com. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Stephen Drury. Brother Drury is a great example of someone who's given their life to helping young people develop and grow in the Lord. And for many years, he was the president of Tupelo Children's Mansion, and he's helped countless young people and children. He's now serving as the stewardship director for the United Pentecostal Church International. In this session, you'll find some great information on finances and how we can prepare for the future. Let's join the conversation now. We're thankful to have with us Brother Stephen Drury, and he and his wife, Evelyn Drury, have been married for 40 years. Uh, He's been in the ministry for 45 years as a youth pastor, administrator, assistant pastor, and also pastoring. Uh, He's the president, or has served as the president of Tupelo Children's Mansion. He founded a Christian school. He's been a church planter. He's served in district positions. He's founded the New Beginnings Child Placement Services, and he also serves on several boards, and, and currently he serves as the Director of Stewardship for the UPCI. Brother Drury, thank you for joining us today. You are more than welcome. It's my honor. How did you get started in ministry, and, and maybe just share a little bit of your story with us? I uh, I went to Bible College in St. Paul, Minnesota at ABI, and Brother Norris asked me to stay on after graduation as a teacher, and I openly responded to him, no, God's called me to work with young people. I never had that thought. I didn't know what I was going to do, and after he walked away, I thought, now where did that come from? But, and, and mainly because I was not a normal child, I, I, I didn't get involved in in having fun. I was a very serious person. And my background was that actually I was molested when I was five and six. And I carried those scars with me through life. Uh, it wasn't until my youth pastor, Brother J. Hugh Rose in Indianapolis, Indiana, and my pastor, Brother Nathaniel Urshan, they kept loving on me and affirming me, and especially Brother Rose, including me in things and just touching my life and they had no clue what had happened. They they brought a lot of healing. So when I graduated, I was uh, a youth pastor down at uh, First Pentecostal Church in Dallas, Texas for a while. And just so happens that uh, Brother Klepper was elected president of Gateway, and 
pastor where I was working, Brian Gillette, uh, was elected as the new head of Tupelo Children's Mansion. So what happened was I ended up moving to Tupelo, working with uh, them for three years, and that's where I found out where that verbiage came from to Brother Norris saying, God's called me to work with young people. I had no clue where to do, start it, but it just so happened through the process God had a plan. And the reason I related to them was because of my life experience. And I am personally convinced that everything that happens to us in life, God uses it to guide us, to make us compassionate, understanding, and relationship-wise uh, can relate to people. So from that, I found myself at, at the children's mansion. I ended up being... Uh, office manager, residential uh, uh, director, and food service manager. And so I I honed up on leadership skills just in those areas. And I didn't know, but the board of directors, which is made up of district superintendent and secretary of, I think, about 37 of our districts, they were watching me, and I, I had no clue. I was just doing what I was supposed to do. When my wife and I got married, she, uh, her folks had moved from the UPC to the Assemblies of Lord Jesus Christ, a sister organization. While she was at ABI, we, uh, her grandmother went to the same church I did growing up, so we knew each other all of our lives, had no interest in each other. But when she graduated from ABI, her folks took over their children's home with the Assemblies of Lord Jesus Christ in Blue Mountain, Mississippi. And here I was working at Tupelo Children's Mansion. I was engaged to a girl, already had the announcements printed, uh, addressed, and stamped, and ready to put it in the mail. And Evelyn invited me to a singing over in Blue Mountain, and I fell madly in love. I went home, canceled the wedding. Three months later, Evelyn and I were married, and I had the oldest boy from the Children's Mansion stand up with me. She had the oldest girl from Blue Mountain Children's Home stand up with her, had 100 kids at our wedding and maybe 50 or 60 adults. So we went home from our honeymoon, and we were house parents of 22 teenage boys, which I do not recommend starting <laughs> their marriage that way. But what it did was it, it integrated us in ministering to young people. Uh, soon thereafter, her mother uh, was diagnosed with cancer, and she was an only child. So uh, we quit working at the Children's Mansion, and we moved to Oklahoma City, and uh, she stayed with her mother day and night until she passed away, because I felt like that was the right thing to do. So we worked with Brother Whalen for a year um, as his assistant pastor, choir director, property manager, uh, and then we were elected to a little church in Hennepin, Oklahoma, town of 100. Uh, 50 went to a Baptist church. We had 28 our first Sunday. And all I knew is Brother Urshan had always taught us that you're to win the world. Uh, he never talked about what do you do if it's a small town. All I had was the idea you win the world. And we went from those 28 people to 150 in two years. I had marvelous revival. And while uh, this was all going on, I didn't know it, but the Chalets left the mansion. 
And our district superintendent for the MD deal was on the board of three people selected to uh, nominate names to be head of the children's mansion. And I was only 27, uh, close to 28, but not quite. And Brother Deal turned in our name without us knowing it. There are about seven other families that applied. We did not apply, but he instructed us to show up at the board meeting for the election, and we did, and we walked away. We were parents to 67 kids and responsible for a campus. And that's how it all started. So now you're obviously dealing with a lot of money. We're talk, We're not talking, you know, hundreds of thousands. You know, there may be somebody listening today uh, to this podcast. Maybe they only, I don't know, maybe the Bible school student or maybe they're just starting out and maybe the most they'd make in a year would be $20,000 or 30000 sure. We still have to have a proper attitude towards money. And how do we, how do we develop that? What kind of attitude do we need to have? I, I think it starts with First Timothy 5 and 8. He who cares not for his own, especially those of his own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel or an unbeliever. I think your first responsibility is to your family and to the family of God. And, and then you look at money as simply a conduit to fulfill your responsibility to care for your family. To me, it it boils down to it's just a conduit. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now, a lot of a lot of things that we deal with as young people starting out in ministry. One of the things that we're always getting in the mail is credit cards. Some of us may have a car payment, maybe even a mortgage. And talk about debt and how debt affects us. Uh, that's a great question. You, you cannot typically get out of not having some debt as you get started, but unnecessary debt is what will sink us in no time. I will tell you that debt does affect a marriage. There are more marriages that break up over financial issues than there are infidelity. Um, worship, it affects your worship when you are not free. You owe everybody and their brother, and as they say, you're up up to your eyeballs in debt. You have hopelessness, you have depression, you have despair. So you need to stay out of debt as much as possible. And what our problem in America is we're encouraged to want the nicest car, the nicest house as soon as possible. But you'd really be better off to drive a clunker, and to live in an apartment until you are able to pay off everything and only have debt for a house and and usually a car, but not not the most expensive at that point. Because you're better off to live less young and then be able to enjoy and live better when you're older. So kind of the either pay now and play later or play now and pay later, huh? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I can tell tell you just from experience that my wife and I had a, a ministry transition and we ended up putting a lot of money on credit cards and uh it it, it affected us tremendously and we, we were constantly thinking about it, constantly talking about it, and the day that we paid off 
our credit card debt and our van was one of the happiest days. It was like a burden that lifted off my sure, shoulders. Sure. And, and it really, it really did free things up. We didn't have to worry about things and we were starting to put a little money in the bank at that time. And there's just a, a freedom that comes with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are some of the most important things that we need to do while we're planning for our financial future? I, I've got that down in my years of experience, in my opinion. Number one, you need a decent education uh, because education translates into opportunities typically. Second, you need to learn how to budget your money. Third is you need to get disability insurance. Uh, some would say life insurance first. I think disability insurance first because they tell us that four out of ten of us during our earning years are going to become disabled either temporarily or permanently. And there, that's like living death. You cannot make the money you need to take care of your family. And that is present-day issue. That's present-day living. Then you need life insurance should you die before retirement years. Um, and that is creating an endowment, so to speak, for your family to survive should you leave this earth by, uh, by death early on. And then if you have the disability under control, the life insurance under control, you definitely need to start planning for retirement. And then uh, finally, uh, you need to uh, do some planned giving either in your estate plan or while you're living or both. Uh, and let me go back to the retirement planning for young ministers, if that's okay. Absolutely. If you put away $100 a week from the time you're young till the 35 and never put another dollar away, let's say 25 to 35, and never put another dollar away, you will have more money when you turn 65 than if you start doing the same thing at 35 and save for 30 years. 10 years will make more in savings and 30 years of saving the same amount. Um, in Tupelo, we started the, the church there. I never could uh, see how we could give me some money for retirement out of the tithes and offerings. And I took like uh, 25% of the tithes. And then I hired other people to help me because I had so many other things going. And uh, we became the largest church in North Mississippi. We were number one in global missions. We started for home missions work. So obviously we were very involved in evangelism. But I could never see how to put any money aside for my retirement. But when I retired and the next pastor was elected, the church board, with the same amount of money, was able to create a retirement package along with his salary. So the money was there. It was my leadership mentality. I call it the founder syndrome. Because the founder is is so passionate about making sure his dream happens that he doesn't think of himself. But that's not fulfilling the scripture. 
now that my wife and I are 65, we look back and we, why did we not understand that principle a little bit better and start putting away for retirement when we were young? So having said that, I just really encourage young ministers as well as older ones to make sure that you start saving for retirement. And it makes so much sense earlier because you'll make more even if you have to stop when you're young than you will for saving for 30 years at the same rate. Now, let's talk about what kind of resources are available to the young minister. Maybe they're saying, you know, how do I how do I get started in this budgeting and and health and insurance and planning? How do I get going in all this? The first thing I would do is I would take a course with Dave Ramsey uh Financial Peace University, you do have to pay $99 to, to join the course at some church, uh, either at their local assembly or somewhere else, but it is a well, it is well worth it. Just, it will help you above and beyond to get rid of debt, to learn how to manage your money, and it will also talk about life insurance and disability and estate planning and so forth. If you're a licensed young minister with UPC, we do have an automatic 10,000 life insurance policy, but that will barely uh, dig the grave and pay for the funeral and, and buy a casket nowadays. Leaves nothing to take care of your family. Uh, I think any young man should have a quarter of a million if he's married, and then any child that comes along, they need another quarter of a million to a, up to a million dollars. Uh, per child, well, a million for like three children, but uh, I am just convinced you you need to add another quarter of a million on for every one of them. Um, And then you do need your legal documents, such as uh, your estate plan, and it includes durable power of attorney to take care of you, make medical decisions if you become incapacitated, and or business decisions if you become incapacitated. And you can you can go to any uh, attorney locally to help you with that. When my wife and I started talking about some of these things, it's a little uncomfortable because you're because you're really talking about death. You're talking about the future, and you're saying, "Well, we're we're talking about worst case scenarios." What is something to keep in mind as we're dealing with some of these things, like insurance and living will and trust and all this stuff? Well, we're all going to die sometime, and some of us are going to live to a ripe old age, and some of us are just going to live to old age, and some of us are going to live to a young age, and we none of us know when that's going to happen. And so to fulfill First Timothy 5 and 8, you just need to have all the pieces in place at all times that no matter what happens, you are prepared for uh, taking care of your family. It's really a matter of priority. And, Correct. and and sometimes if we if we we allow fear and you know well what will people think if they know I've got an insurance policy you know don't I trust God don't I have faith in God that he's going to take care of me I mean how do we combat that mentality well I I think it's pretty clear I have enough faith that God's going to take me home someday I just don't know when so it's <laughs> <laughs> true you know at that point now do I want to die right away no but on the other hand, I want to be prepared so that my sweet wife of 40 years is taken care of. Uh, and if I had children at home, I, I want to make sure that, you know, that they were taken care of. And 
you know, I, I'm aware of one district that had three young ministers pass away young in one year's time, leaving their all of them left their wives destitute with kids. Uh, I just don't think that's the will of God in this day and, and time. I think you have a responsibility. Um, so it's it's a matter of understanding your responsibility. I know a young man that uh, got cancer of the throat that was associate pastor. He was scheduled to be the, the lead pastor, and he can't preach anymore. So and he didn't have any disability insurance. So he's just working. A, he struggles day in and day out just to pay their their bills. None of us know when those issues are going to come along. So you have to to believe it, act as if they're never going to happen. But you need to react now as I need to be prepared in case this happens. Let's talk a little bit about the young minister, and that's involved maybe in in ministry and they're kind of struggling with the fact well you know brother jury god's called me to be in ministry and i know i'm supposed to go full time and and i really i'm willing just to abandon all and go into the ministry and just let god worry about my finances is that the correct way to think about that boy there's a there's a fine balance line there um I guess my experience has always been I, I always kept improving my education and my abilities so that I made sure that I was always I always had more capacity. Um so I, I I didn't allow myself just to be stagnant. Um so I guess it's kinda of hard to answer in some ways because <laughs> yeah. You can't say, well, God isn't going to provide for you if you if you go do whatever you need to do. Now, I would tell you, Evelyn and I, I took a $50,000 pay cut to come do what I'm doing here at headquarters. And I've never made that money up since then. But, you know, um, our needs are taken care of. But it sure would have been nicer to have had that 50000 a year for the last 10 years. <laughs> but I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and God has provided I don't know how to – that's a hard one to answer. I, I will tell you I have a real problem with young people not getting a formal education. I have a nephew who wants to go to uh, the Bible college, and I keep telling him that's great. But you need to get your formal education first so that you can even have a good job to make decent money to take care of yourself when you go to Bible college, because then you're going to have a call probably to go do something for the kingdom. And very few pastors are full-time to begin with. Most are uh, bivocational. So you'd much rather have a good job, take care of your family, as well as do the kingdom work. So I, 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 I have, I can't say that God won't take care of them, but my goodness, I think we have we have to prepare to provide for ourselves the best we can. You know, I think I think sometimes this whole thing about insurance and getting disability it's it's really a scary thing. It and it's uh, kind of a demanding. You know, where do I start? How do I do this? And one thing I found for my wife and I is that we've kind of shopped around locally. You know, we've gone to our, our maybe like a chain insurance company, and then we've also gone to 
uh, maybe a smaller, maybe unknown, just like a local place that that can choose from several different uh, insurance companies. So is is that something that you'd recommend for young people to do when they're just getting started in this insurance? I, I would. I, I personally think it's better that they do um, uh, shop with someone that can go to several different, um, an independent uh, insurance agent. In other words, that can go to several different companies and, and get the best options out there for them. For example, well, and then the, to me, they can always compare it. And one of the ways to compare it is go to DaveRamsey.com, and over on the right-hand side, they have insurance, life insurance. You can click on it. You put in your date of birth, and it will bring up all kinds of quotes automatically. And then you can compare that to what you're being told, you know, with the local agents. In other words, just shop around a little bit. And you you recommended at least two hundred fifty thousand for a young minister that that maybe has a family and and even for well, the I, kids. I think that's just if he's married. Okay. <laughs> if he has a family, he needs a half a million to a million. And while you're young, it's a whole lot cheaper to get it. Absolutely. For example. I know one gentleman that was a, um, he's no longer district superintendent, but he was for many years of a certain district, that when he was 35, he had a heart attack. He was never able to get enough insurance to care for his family after that. So you just never know. It's better to get it while you're young. And one of the things that I've found in searching for insurance is that term life insurance is probably the most affordable. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and the most sensible. Now, if someone has questions or, or needs some advice in this area, how can they get in touch with you? That's very easy. Uh, they can call me here at headquarters, which is 314-837-7304, extension 309. That's 314-837-7304. Extension 309. And if I'm not here, leave a message and I, I return all of my calls. Even if I'm traveling, the, the voice message comes to my cell phone and and I I can return the, the call. Well, Brother Jury, thank you so much for being with us today and talking with us about this. This is such an important topic and we need to, we really need to get a handle on our finances, not just for today, but also for the future. And I, I wonder if you could just take a minute and just say a prayer over that young person, that young man, that young lady right now that they're getting involved in ministry and maybe they feel God speaking to them about their future. And uh, just pray that God would encourage them and, and give them the help and the strength that they need and, and the direction that they need. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to have um been able to look back at my life and realize you had your hand on me from the beginning, but I had to be willing to listen to your voice and to prepare myself through education, through additional classes, special courses, seminars to be able to allow my mind to wrap around other opportunities that you could lead me into and help me be successful for your work in your kingdom. And I pray for every young man and woman who is passionate and has felt the call into ministry. 
It's always that question, where do I start? Is this the right thing? And uh, Lord, I know from experience, every step you have opened the door. I've never applied for one thing that I know of other than a, a secular job when I was in school or associate pastor someplace. Um, otherwise, Lord, you have always opened up the door without me even putting my name out there. And so therefore, I know from experience, God, that you know our steps in advance. You know what we're supposed to do, and you can open up those doors, and we don't have to push them open. So I pray for every young man and woman that you would open the doors for them and let them walk through, even though at times we're fearful and, and it's an unknown, but to stand strong and believe, God, if you open the door, you have the wisdom, the words, the encouragement, the strength, and the ability to help be successful. I pray, Lord, that you would help each and every one of them. Uh, as they hear this prayer, take that passion on to believe you for provision and protection, as well as anointing. Thank you for this day to uh, speak to these young people um, through this means, and thank you for Brother Tapia and his passion to encourage young folks who are involved in ministry. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, Brother Drury, and we just thank God for what you're doing. You're welcome. Talk to you later. You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship Podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop in your ministry. You can also leave us a comment, subscribe to our newsletter, make a donation, or connect on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.